Hello, friends. We are back at long last, at very, very long last. It's been more than two months. Um, I would apologize. I don't know what I'd be apologizing for, though. It was completely out of my hands. Uh, for anyone who's not following along on social media, basically, my laptop gave up the ghost, even though it wasn't particularly old. And the good news was that Curry said they would fix it for free. So that was great. Long story short, they thought they lost it for a while. I don't think they actually did lose it, apart from the fact that nobody knew where it was for a while, so I suppose that counts as lost, even though it was just sat in the workshop for a really long time, not having anything done to it. But anyway, I'm not going to get bogged down all that now. It's back. It's in front of me. It's functional. I didn't pay for it, apart from the two months that I didn't have it. So anyway, we are back. We've got two more conversations to bring you. Now, the sad news is that I did lose pretty much everything that I had. And I thought a lot more was backed up than it actually was. So on these final two conversations, because I just want to get them out there, get them to you, and also because it's the start of a new term, life is busy, we don't have the conversations that happen afterwards where Faith and Louisa and myself reflect on what we've listened to. So I'm really sorry if you love those bits. Some of you probably skip those bits and you don't even care. So here we have today a conversation with some good friends of ours, Ben and Lois Franks, who planted a church in the Ronda Valley. They are wonderful people. I hope you enjoy this. Please do share it if you enjoy it. Thanks so much for hearing from so many of you over the last couple of months about how much you've enjoyed the podcast and how much you've been missing it while it's been away. I am starting to put together season two, in fact, next week. Actually, today, on the day that this podcast comes out on, I will be recording the first installment of season two, which is exciting. And I've got some really, really exciting conversations beginning to be lined up, but I still really need suggestions. So come on, you guys, you must know someone. Get in touch with me. If you know cool people doing cool things for the kingdom uh, in ways that aren't being platformed and you think their stories deserve to be heard, then please do get in touch with me. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, enough from me. Why don't we dive right in and I hope you enjoy this conversation. So you want to just start by introducing yourselves, who you are and what you do with your time and where you're from? Um, cool, so I'm Lois, married to Ben, uh, and we planted Hope Church Rhonda in the Rhonda in 2012. Um, so I work part-time, I run a business as kind of a way of funding our ministry um, and kind of do that on the side and then obviously leading the church as well. Over to you. I'm Ben. Married to Lois, and all the same stuff applies really. Yeah, we live in Tonopandi in the Rhonda. We've been here since December 2012, it's very much home, and we lead Hope Church Rhonda and yeah, do a little bit of business stuff on the side. Have two little boys, Evan and Caleb, um, who are great fun, um, and yeah, that's our life, that's who we are. And a dog called Nelson. Who ate the lasagna this week? He ate, uh, he yeah. ate the whole lasagna this week. <laughs> I was positively raging. <laughs> um, 
Where are you both from originally? Cardiff. Yeah, grew up in Rabina Baptist Church, so we were in toddler group together. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we kind of grew up there. Yeah. And, uh, so where did the, the Ronda idea originate? We were teenagers at RBC. I think I was probably about 14, Ben was 15. And a guy from the Ronda came down and was preaching in our church, and he shared kind of some figures and statistics about about the valley at the time the ronda had the highest rate of teenage pregnancy in western europe had like the highest rate of suicide like and though he basically kind of shared pardon in the uk in the uk he shared kind of loads of stats um the kind of statistics that you don't want to be top of the list for Mm -hmm. um about the ronda valleys and ben and i were just well and our youth group we were just gobsmacked that there was a place half hour up the road where kind of that sort of thing was going on um we were there comfortably in our nice middle class church with a big youth group and he shared that less than one percent of the population of the rondo were going to church even just a handful of times a year um and we just couldn't really believe that they're in our big comfortable middle class church where we were within walking distance of loads of amazing churches that there was a place so near to us where people couldn't even go to church to hear the gospel, let alone, yeah, put their faith in Jesus. So basically the Holy Spirit just broke in and as kind of young, naive teenagers broke our hearts for the Rhonda mm. and spoke to us about church planting and, and began to call us and lead us to move in here mm. when we were a bit older. So were you guys together at the time? Not then. No. No, that was before we got together. Um but even so, you both kind of yeah. similarly felt that... It was a really interesting time, I think, for, for us and for our youth group. Um, I think when that person came and spoke in church, like as Lois described, the contrast between what we were experiencing as like growing up in the suburbs of Cardiff in secure families in a loving church with Christian friends and good role models and all of that stuff, it just like was, I think, very formative for us, but also formative for others in different ways. Um, And, yeah, like, I look back now, and we didn't realise it when we were in it at the time, but I look back now and realise that God's hand was on our youth group and Mm. on our lives and at work. And it wasn't just one preacher coming from the Ronda one Sunday, but it was a whole bunch of other encounters, leadership opportunities... Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit just birthing something in our hearts. I think my parents had been involved in replanting a church in Tongwin Lice when me and my brothers were teenagers. So we'd seen firsthand mm-hmm. this idea of what church planting could be. And um, a guy called Dave Ollerton was the pastor of Rabina at the time, and he had a massive heart for church planting in Wales. So I feel like all those things sort of stirred in the pot pot together and it was in the middle of all that that Lois and I um, first started going out we'd been um, organising a prayer meeting to pray for revival in Wales and in the Rhonda Hmm. and it was the night before that that, or the night after that, I can't remember something like that, around that time (laughs) we started organising a prayer meeting and everyone was like you guys are going to start going out and we were like no way no way, we're just just seeking the things of God together (laughs) but God had other ideas and uh, yeah that was the start of 
us getting together all those many years ago. Mm. Mm. So. so how old were you when you eventually moved here? So we... And were you, I guess you're married then. Yeah, so yeah. We, we spent a couple of years... So Ben ended up um, going and doing a gap year with Di Hankey in Trevethin and was part of planting Hill City Church up there with Di. Mm-hmm. And so we spent a few years um, during uni. I was commuting up to there um, to be a part of the church and Ben was in Southampton. And when we finished uni and graduated, we got married and we began looking for houses up in the Ronda just to rent. Um and we viewed loads of houses, but just really felt clearly like God was closing the door and that it wasn't for that moment. Mm. Um, and so we were kind of weighing up, right, where shall we live? We love Cardiff, our families are there, we've still got loads of friends there from school and uni and whatever. Um, but that felt almost like too comfortable an option. And we knew that the Lord was calling us to the Ronda in the future. So to have moved to Cardiff would have felt like it would have then been really difficult to then leave. Um, so we ended up viewing a house on the Greig in Ponty, um, and like it was just very clear that that was the right place for us. It was kind of central. Ben was working in Port Talbot. We were commuting to church up in Trevethin in Pontypool, so it's kind of equidistant between the two. And then again, it felt like Ponty is very much like gateway to the Ronda, almost like it's mm-hmm. like a stepping stone. So it felt like a step on from Cardiff yeah. towards what God was calling us to in the future. Um, so we were there for just over a year um and then through a series of events we felt like god was saying right now's the time get moving so we moved our business to the ronda um yeah december 2012 maybe it's like no october, october 2012, 2012 yeah. um so we had a high street uh, premises in tonopandi mm-hmm. and then bought a house in tonopandi a few months after as well so okay so we were to answer your question i think 24 and 23 with the business, was that literally just the idea of like being financially freed up to do church and ministry, or was um, it, it like part of the ministry itself? Does that question make sense? Yeah. Um, so when I was a student, I kind of needed to find a job to pay my bills, and I ended up doing some telemarketing for an accountancy firm and just set up from my bedroom, I had a phone, I had my computer and was set up as a sole trader, just working for myself mm-hmm. um, in between lectures. Um, and like it kind of just organically grew and I picked up some other different clients and things. Um, and it came to graduating and I just felt like the Lord spoke to me through um, Proverbs 31 where it says uh, about kind of the woman, she sees that her merchandise is profitable. And we were kind of praying about the future and it felt like, the stuff that I'd been doing was growing organically. It was profitable. The kind of, yeah, we knew that the Lord was calling, calling us to church planting and kind of we felt like there wasn't necessarily enough money in the church to fund all the churches that needed to be planted. So we felt like the Lord really put a burden in our hearts for being able to fund ourselves doing it. Um, and so it kind of, yeah, we made the decision that that was going to be the way that we would fund our ministry. Um, and then kind of as a secondary thing, the work that I was doing, um, provided that you could that you could sell, I could train people who maybe left school with minimal qualifications mm-hmm. um, and train them to do the job and actually use it as a means of offering sustainable employment to like young people in the Ronda. Yeah. Um, and kind of just being, I guess, good news in that sense, just offering employment and like a place where people could be mentored and find stability. Um, 
in work. So it's kind of been both and. And it's been, there's been ups and downs, isn't it, with the <laughs> business. So in the beginning, we probably bit off a lot more than we could chew in <laughs> terms of having some slightly wild characters working with us. Mm. Um, but actually, like one of the guys started on a government funded scheme, has kind of just worked his way up through the ranks and is now a director with us as well. Okay. And he's just an amazing, like, success story really of someone who left school with minimal qualifications was unemployed before he started with us um but just yeah through working with us we've seen him really grow and develop which has been really cool mm. and he's like so close to putting his faith in jesus if he could be. <laughs> like he's yeah we have lots of really good chats and yeah and it's cool mm. i think one of the things that um was surprising but looking back shouldn't have surprised us was that when we moved Lois's business into a little shop front in Tonopandi, um, I don't know what those three or four people working in there, something like that. Um, it was a massive help to us in the early days of church planting because we were turning up in a town where we literally knew nobody. I think we knew one person. Um, we, our accents are different to the people in our town you know, like who are these young people turning mm-hmm. up from Cardiff thinking they're going to t- start a church in our yeah. in our community? Like we had zero credibility. But when people, I think people first recognised us as the couple who had started in something in a little shop in on the high street and were employing local people and were yeah. t- going for lunch in the local cafe. And I think that was a massive step for us in terms of credibility and people learning to trust us, um, which off the back of it enabled us to then start doing ministry um, mm-hmm. in the months to come kind of thing. So it was mm. quite cool. So like in those days, if you know, you're in the local cafe and people are asking you where you're from and what you're doing there, yeah, yeah. do you say we've started a business here or do you say we're planting a church here? I don't know, actually. Both That's and, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think the two... Well, you know what it's like in Valley communities. People... Yeah just get talking and people everyone talks about like everyone knows what's going on so I think yeah. people just knew they okay. knew very quickly so the cafe we built really good relationships with and they we would quite often have them do catering if we ever needed anything for for kind of stuff we were doing in the church so hmm. they yeah everything was it's kind of intertwined and we quickly realized that the people in this that run this cafe were like knew everybody in yeah. in the town so yeah. We were like, we're going to get to know them because if they speak one of us, uh, everybody will speak one of us kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like those early days, like when we first planted the church, we were doing stuff in our house. And I think we felt reluctant to be like, oh, we're starting a church because it felt a bit cultish and a bit like we didn't really have a clue what we were doing. And, yeah. you know, like inviting people to our home in <laughs> in in this community when we didn't know anybody all felt a bit strange. So I think it took a bit of time, didn't it, to like navigate all that stuff. Yeah. Um, we definitely, but... we had a very clear plan. We were like, right, we're going to start in our house. It's going to be really organic, like, and things are just going to grow in the home and it's going to look like that. And God just had a completely different plan. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, we started doing that and we quickly realised that people's perception of that, at least in this community, was that that was a strange way of doing things and that's not church because it's not in a building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up then being given a building and kind of things took off that way. But there were really foundational times in our home, but yeah. probably the perception to the community was that was a strange 
thing that was a stumbling block for the gospel. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of needed to rethink then. Yeah. And just listen to God's plan rather than have our own little ideas of how we do things. So how would you summarise the journey of the church in those early years and how it morphed and changed? And... Yeah. That's a good question. So we, we arrived December 2012, the week before Christmas. And we arrived with one other couple, a couple called Courtney and Bip, who'd been in Pontypool with us, a Northern Irish couple. And they, um, and they moved to Tonopandy as well. So there's four of us. Um, and I mean, I look back now and I think, I, I'm not sure now whether I would have had the boldness and the courage to just like up our lives and stick ourselves in a community where we knew nobody. Mm. Um, but like God had given us a gift of faith for that. And so that's literally what we did. And I remember the first week, first Sunday of January in 2013, we broke bread in our home, the four of us. I think they had a friend staying from Northern Ireland. So whoever that person was, <laughs> I've got no idea. They were there on day one. Um, and we broke bread and we opened the Bible together in our home. And we prayed that God would establish a church. And um, we didn't really have much of a clue what to do, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, or what was going to work. Um, but one of a number of things happened in those early months. One of them was that Lois's grandfather knew somebody that knew somebody whose granddaughter lived in Tonopandy. She was 12. She wasn't part of a church, even though she was in a church, part of a Christian home, mm. because that wasn't a church that she felt comfortable going to. And so um, Lois started discipling her. And then one of her friends started tagging along who wasn't a Christian and you know, those early few months, we literally just sort of added a few people, but like there was no sense of strategy or <laughs> direction to it at all. It was like turn up and see what God is doing and mm. what doors open. And is this still in your living room? This is still point? in our living room. So we were in our living room until October 2013 for about 10 months. And we picked up a couple of like team members, Christians we knew from different places that wanted to come and help us. Okay. We picked up a couple of teenagers. Um, there was one guy who, that one person we knew in Tonopandi who would go, was going to another church, said he'd like stay in his church but come and like join us when he could type stuff. And so like we were just, a, I don't know, 10 or 12 people, but we felt really stuck. We were like, this doesn't, we don't quite know what we're doing or where this is going. And, you know, we'd had like some warning signs about people being suspicious about us meeting in our home and stuff. Mm. But the other thing that happened was um, one of the confirming things that led us to Tonopandi and led us to come into Tonopandi at the end of 2012 was that when we felt, I think it was April 2012, we felt the Lord really clearly speak to us about getting urgent about what God had put in our heart. And we text the leader of, Rabina Baptist Church where we'd grown up a guy called Andrew Davis and we just said look we want to talk we want to can we see you sometime we want to talk to you about church planting in the Ronda we think God's telling us now's the time to get on with it and he texted back and said oh funny you should say that I had a coffee with somebody this morning offering, offering uh, me a chapel building in the middle of Tonopandi oh, yeah. do you want it and for us it was like a real confirming moment yeah. of like God is in this um, and so we knew about this chapel on the high street um, and through that period in 2013, we connected with the trustees of the chapel and 
Um, they were super generous to us. They were like really keen for us to use their building. They covered a lot of our bills and expenses, bought us um, some new kit for doing running a youth club and, you know, um, just really enabled us to get going with little um, effort um, or burden. And so then December 2013, after we'd been living here for about nine or ten months, um, we gathered like a whole bunch of friends and family and had a launch service in this chapel. Were you there? Don't know. No, Probably don't not. So. Ruth no. might have been. Um, but we filled this old chapel with 200 people and, you know, mm-hmm. sang Kumronda and all these other great <laughs> worship songs. And I preached from Haggai and, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. And then, of course, week two happens yeah. <laughs> and all your renter crowd is not there. And actually, like about 10 or 12 people. Two of them were ill and three of them were like decided to go away that weekend. It's like, yeah. that was a bad choice, guys. Just <laughs> any weekend but that weekend. Yeah. And so we're like rattling around this massive chapel with five or six people. But, but again, like two massive significant things happened. One was that um, this girl, Jess, who'd been discipling, who'd been bringing her friend, her friend came up to Lois at the end of that meeting and said, I want to become a Christian. Mm. And so I... I Really, it was our first public meeting, apart from our big hoo-ha, yeah. you know. Um, this teenage girl um, put her trust in Jesus. Um, and then the other thing that happened was um, an older couple, a retired couple who just moved back to the Ronda, poked their heads through um, the back door of, of the chapel building at half past four, just as we were starting church, and said, uh, is there a church meeting here? And we <laughs> went, yeah, and this is it. And I, I, uh, I've laughed with them many times about that moment because they had like they had the opportunity at that moment to like either come in or yeah. to run a mile, but they they came in, mm. and um, Alan and Marie were absolute pillars in the life of our church in the in the early years, um, and yeah, like those are just two stories of many where God was at work in ways that we hadn't even fully comprehended, and so the church slowly was slow wasn't it It was hard grind slowly but surely began to take some shape um and it never really felt in those early days you know you celebrate every win Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you have to but it never quite felt like i don't know it was what we'd imagined or it, it had become everything that we wanted it to become. And it was, yeah. there was a lots of grind and lots of keeping on going and perseverance and pulling through and keeping on believing God. Um, and yeah, you know, we look back now and we see God's gracious and generous hand. Mm. Um, but it's so a slog. When you think about those early days, yeah. is the feeling one of like, ah, oh, like the good days or was it, is the feeling one of like, man, that was hard work. Or a bit of both? Probably a bit of both. I think, yeah, the good days, like, is exciting. Mm-hmm. I think when you're stepping out in faith and doing the thing that God's calling you to, you feel more alive than ever. Mm. And so I think that I would massively testify that that was the case, as hard as it was. Like, we just knew the Lord with us and his grace and his favour on what we were doing. Um, and it's like the foundations, isn't it? Like, we've built on those humble beginnings. Yeah. Um and what God's doing is just so exciting. So, mm. yeah, I think fond memories. <laughs> yeah. And like Lois and I are, you know, 
we are pioneers through and through and there is something even now that really that we love about the the starting again the starting again the simpleness of like yeah not too many people the kind of the risk and the the faith thing of like believing god for something that's currently not there mm-hmm. um, we love all that so we yeah we like to live in that space um but equally you know it was hard it was a long long slog there was lots of difficulty there was lots of pastoral challenges yeah. in those early days um and and little resource and little structure and support to you know to, yeah. to do all that stuff but yeah so you're coming up on 10 years then are you or have you passed 10 years when did you no, say we're 10 years married so it's nine it yeah it's not it'll be nine years in december that Oct- we moved here Oct- oh yeah yeah and okay. it'll be it'll be eight years in october that we from when we had our first public meeting outside of our house five I guess mm-hmm. um, and what a joyful time it's been <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um, shout out to Ruth <laughs> it, it seems like you've got kind of a core team from the time that I've known you at least where did those com- people come from and is there people who've been there from day one or yeah. good question so I I often say whenever I have the chance like I think our team and particularly those that were around in the early days I think are some of the people that I'm most inspired by in the Christian life Mm. because um, for us the Lord had put a really clear vision in our hearts and a burden that we couldn't have really uh, run away from Mm. it would have been a Jonah thing you know but like one of our friends Kate she was in uni with Ben um she was training to be a doctor. Most people went off and did their medical electives in like Tanzania or South America, went on some cool like global adventure. Kate went to work in the Royal Glam Hospital, which is like <laughs> Rhonda's feeder hospital. Yeah. Mm. And like stayed with us. Stayed with us and has come and like it's yeah. amazing. Is yeah, working so for, as a doctor. For here, somebody like, like Kate to, you know, what an inspiration. To to put her faith in what God had put in us. Yeah, you know, and to say I'm believing in the vision that God's put in you, and I'm willing to make a whole bunch of sacrifices. So Kate literally called me up. I don't know a few months after we'd moved here, uh, she was in Southampton. She led the Christian Union with me there, and she was still finishing her studies. And she just called me up and was like, "Are you going to plant that church in in the Ronda that you used to talk about?" And we're like, "Yeah, we're doing it." She's like, "Can I come and be part of it?" You know, right. and moved her whole life. I hope she's from Sussex. 
um, moved her whole life, came here, you know, her fiancé Chris um, moved here not long after, um, and just absolute, like, bedrocks <laughs> of, of our church, you know. Um, the same, you know, Sarah, uh, who you know, um, Sarah and John, Sarah came and was like, I'm going to live by faith and work for the church. Don't pay me anything, but right. I'm just going to like come and do evangelism and try and be good news in the town. And, you know, amazing. And mm. we've had other people that have come for short, short times and left, but to see people willing to invest their lives in what God's put in our heart yeah. has been amazing. So we've, we've built a team through old uni friends and, um, and eventually Simon and Lucy came, who Lois knew from uni as well. Um, and yeah, just, it's amazing to look back and see God's provision. Like we've prayed many times for workers for the harvest and, and the Lord provides them. And more recently, we've been praying for grandparent figures in the life of the church, because the church is pretty young demographic. We started praying and within six months, we'd had three mature mm. couples in their late 50s and 60s join the church and just you see God's hand time after time you're like when you step out in faith when you you know seek his kingdom first he provides what yeah. you need whether it's people or finance or other stuff mm. so right now we're sat in a really cool building on the high street yeah and um, we kind of hop back into the story yeah. and yeah. catch up as to how you got here and um yeah, yeah and this building and yeah. what it gets used for and all of that so we were in the, the chapel building on the high street, which, like Ben said, was just an incredible blessing. Um, but we knew that the space needed to look different in order to meet the needs of our community. So we were running the food bank in there and we would see people visibly cower when they stepped into the building and just be intimidated by, mm. I guess, the, the heritage and kind of the connotations that a chapel building with a big organ at the front and pews and stuff... Um, yeah, the connotations that that would draw. We were meeting in the basement of that building to try and make it a bit more homey and comfortable, but it was an old chapel. Like, it was yeah. damp and like, cold rough. and wet. And, like, I think I've been in times. there a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> but, the, I mean, they were great times. But So we kind of were exploring whether we'd be able to do some renovations there, and um, it just wasn't able to happen. Um, and I think through somebody had a prophetic word didn't they about us having kind of a premises on the high street and yeah to cut a long story short we ended up renting this building that used to be a charity shop before we us it. Uh, sorry we bought this building uh, that used to be a charity shop before us so it's uh, three stories we were able to renovate the space um just make it a space that was usable for us and kind of would meet our needs and kind of also reflect the kind of church that we wanted to be in the community um so we've been here for f five years now i think it is january 2017 it was yeah um and so yeah this is our home we own it outright no mortgage or anything like we just knew the lord's favor providing mm. finance first that's great um, yeah it's super cool like one thing that was really funny in those early days we had some friends of a church planting in central london and i often used to look at them and what they were doing and be like oh You've got it so easy, you know, you're in the centre of culture, you've got all these like people coming and going from your great big city, there's loads of Christians everywhere <laughs> come to your church. And I think playing the comparison game in church planting is an absolute death trap. Yeah. Um, but we did. 
And, and, and then one day we realised one of the great benefits of doing church planting in the Welsh Valleys is the property is dirt cheap. And that, that was a real blessing for us. And, mm. and it made me realise, like, every place, whether it's the centre of London or Tonopendi in the Ronda, every place has its... Unique challenges. Unique challenges and its unique benefits. Mm. And one of the benefits for us is that, in terms of property, is that we, Tonopendi was voted the worst high street in, in the UK and therefore property prices were, like, rock bottom. Mm. So in the end, we bought this building, 3,500 square feet, for £65,000. Wow. And I found mm. out that our, our friend in London pays more than that just to rent a room for his Sunday service every year. Yeah. You think, you know, this is God's grace on us, and the story, maybe for another time, is of how the money came in and, and God providing the finance was just extraordinary. Mm. Um, and, yeah, we've been able to make this building our home um, and it's been a real blessing so mm. so what what happens here on a standard week I don't Do, even know we're anymore. not here <laughs> yeah so the other part of the story is we didn't feel like God called us just to plant a church in Tonopandi but that he called us to see a spirit filled and gospel centred church in every town and village in the Ronda Mm. Um, so we're actually, I mean, COVID has been a bit of a strange season where we have been in Pandy a bit more than at other points. Um, but we're actually based elsewhere for the most part. <laughs> um, I can kind of tell you what happens in the building. Yeah, give, give us an idea. <laughs> um, Some of the stuff. Food banks. So, so I, I, on a, I mean, everything coming out of COVID is a bit strange, but we have a toddler group that runs in here on a Monday that the church runs as a way of making friends. Um, Food bank runs out of here. Um, we cut, cut people's hair from the community that maybe can't afford to go to the hairdressers mm-hmm. during food bank. Um, I say we. Owen, who's a trained hairdresser, does it? Not me. <laughs> As a pastor, like, oh, I'll get my scissors out and have a go. <laughs> um, so that's going. Um, we were running a club, eight to 14-year-olds. Uh, Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, <laughs> which mm-hmm. will restart soon. Um, and we also have quite a lot of external users use the the buildings so mm. um whether it's i don't know is it waste weight watchers um but a training mm. yeah. training college uh, a welsh baby group um and we just want to be serving the community however we can you know like yeah. um they use it for you know voting and elections and sometimes the political parties yeah. use it for different stuff mm-hmm. you know community but meetings it, what, whatever we can do yeah. to be a blessing we will we'll, we'll do you know and i think the thing was and probably the last 18 months has changed that slightly because of COVID restrictions and stuff. But we've always said that we never wanted the building to be the focus, but for people to be doing life together yeah. outside and kind of in terms of reaching our communities, not to say to people who aren't yet believers to come come to our thing in our building, but for us as a church to be out in the community, be in salt and light yeah. in other people's spaces. Um, so COVID has made us be probably a bit more building-centric than we would like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, our heart is really to be out in the communities. Yeah. Um, Certainly in the early days, I think we pitched those two things against each other. Like, we want to be a missional community that does life-on-life discipleship and brings people into, into that versus like we're a building-centric or Sunday-centric. Programs. Program-led church. I think we were like very idealistic. And actually, as Lois said earlier... Like God had a different plan probably to the one that we'd we'd written in our minds, mm-hmm. and I think I think we're trying to just 
take the best of all of those things and trust God with them yeah. and follow his lead. And if that means, you know, leaning on those two different philosophies of ministry in different ways at different times, you know, so be it, you know. Yeah. Um, just trusting that that the kingdom will be built rather than any great pure or idealistic vision of what, what church should be, you know. Hmm. So kind of thinking back to earlier when you were saying about, you know, showing up for the first time as newbies and yeah. people wondering who you were and what you're doing here. Yeah. Um, this is maybe a hard question to answer without blowing your own trumpets, but do you feel like the church has got a good reputation here now? And how do you think the town perceives your presence here? Yeah, I think positively. Um yeah, you're right. It's hard to it's very hard answer to without blowing your own trumpet. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, yeah. So one of our other congregations in in Triorki, there's a cool story. Um, so we were kind of running Alpha on Wednesday nights, um, and we just knew just the Lord with us in an, an amazing way. We saw a number of people come to faith, and just incredible stories of lives that were completely. Um, yeah, anti-God being totally transformed and people being real, like, trophies of grace um, and people sharing their stories of what had happened and stuff. And a lady in the local shop that was near kind of that, that um, where we were holding those those kind of sessions said to someone she knew who came to the church in Tonopandi, she was like, what on earth is your church doing on a Sunday night? People are coming out of Oak Tree Hall and they're happy and there's something happening in there <laughs> and I want to know what it is. Mm. And so... Mm, that's cool. The church kind of just in the, the shop down the road from where we were was having kind of that reputation of, of people meeting God and it being like a good thing and there being mm-hmm. joy and um so then people, yeah, speaking positively about the church. So Yeah. That was cool. So I wanna go into the new congregations and things like that. But before we do that, like thinking over the history of the church, but also just your lives personally throughout that, um, what stand out as the high points and low points. Maybe you want to tackle the high ones first and then the low ones. I think high points for me... Um, when you step out in faith... It's like if you jump out of an aeroplane, you're completely helpless until your parachute pops. And I think, like, stepping out in faith we've made some decisions that people would look at us and think, what on earth are you doing, you stupid, naive children? (laughs) But as we've stepped out, just seeing God coming through for us so many times has just been amazing. Um, And so, yeah, starting our second congregation in Triorki, we're we're a tiny church in Tonopandi, an insignificant drop in the Christian ocean. (laughs) But actually we felt God speak about going again. And so when you do that, even if it doesn't make sense on a worldly level, and then you see the Lord just blessing it and it bearing fruit, the just joy and, yeah, life that it gives you is just incomparable. And I think, so for me, a real high point is when we started that second congregation in a time that just, it didn't make sense, but just seeing God come through and his favour on kind of seeing new believers um, coming through to faith and, yeah, it was just an incredible, incredible time. Yeah. So I think that's a real high point for me. Yeah. And I think for me, the high points, 
and the low points have connected. The high points have been the moments where we've seen people surrender their lives to Jesus from all sorts of backgrounds um, and all sorts of mess. Um, and like, that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. And even just thinking about it now, like when Ron, when Ron the people, particularly when Ron the people bow the knee to Jesus and declare him as their Lord, like it just, for me, is the most precious thing in the world. I was thinking last week we were sat in a meeting surrounded by 10 or 12 people that had all, bar one or two, given their life to Jesus and started following him as Ronda people in Hope Church Ronda. And for me, that's like the most priceless, precious thing that mm. we could have asked for on this journey. Um, I think the, the, the biggest pain is when you see people who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and then for different reasons turn, turn away Mm-hmm. whether it's only temporarily or whether it's permanently, but watching people, um, yeah, wreak havoc in their lives because they've, they've turned away from Jesus, um, who's the restorer and healer. I find that incredibly discouraging and incredibly difficult. Um, and yeah, also just like some really tragic and some really complex pastoral things like we are living in a broken world we are ministering in a broken community and since day one we've been dealing with difficult stuff Mm -hmm. abuse and safeguarding issues um you know which has impacted us you know things that have come out the woodwork with people that we love dearly some of our best friends um and yeah more recently um some some people in our team uh, losing a baby at birth and just the tragedy of those things and walking through all that together as a community um, those are both like the privileges and the pain of of Christian ministry is that you you journey through the highs and the lows of people's lives with them um, and have the, the the responsibility and stewardship of of bringing Christ into the midst of of all of that so mm-hmm. um I think the highs and the lows are connected, but 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 I think what we find we have to do is in in so that we don't feel like we're on a a, a roller coaster that goes up and down all over the place every single day. Like you have to step back and view the vista, and when you step back and you see what God has done over eight or nine years and how He's building His church and how He's provided and how He's raising up leaders and and what the future looked like, then you go, wow, God has been so faithful, so good. It might be hard in the, in the moment, but um, man, isn't it worth it? And I think mm. that's that, that will hopefully be the enduring story more than any one high or low from any one person's life. Mm. Talk to me about Trioki, and is there a third congregation or beginning to emerge? Yeah, there is. Um, Yeah, so like I said, we felt like the Lord was calling us to plant something in 
or yeah, start something in every one of the towns and villages. Um, the reality is that just because we were starting what we think is a super cool church in Tonopandi, someone from the top of the valley who doesn't know God is no way going to travel down to mm-hmm. come to some meeting here. And equally, if we're yeah, serving this local community, how are we going to be a blessing up to the top of the valley when all our people are living down here? These are the people we're encountering. Um, and so just a real sense that we wanted to take the gospel into every every town and village. Um, so we felt like, yeah, the Lord, um, through a series of yeah miraculous things, basically someone had gotten saved who was from at the top of the valley. Um, and then there was a bit of a snowball of a couple of people putting their faith in Jesus. And so we felt like the Lord was leading us to start something further up the valley um, for those people and then to be able to reach a new um, section of the Rhonda as well. So uh, we started off by launching an alpha course up there. Um, and each week we would we kind of structured it a bit differently to other people do alpha. We had a local person share their story every week, um, mm. which drew in a lot of people who wanted to hear the transformation that yeah. the rough yeah. kid they used to know would put their trust in Jesus. Um, so that was just really, really cool. And we saw some other people getting saved um, and we launched off the back of it. The, it just kind of had a real anointing on it and people just kept coming and kept coming and the alpha course finished and we were like okay let's keep doing something and mm. um, so we just called called it Wednesday night church and we just had people keeping coming and just keeping uh building community together and people encountering God together um and then eventually we transitioned to well we did we buy our house before then I can't remember the less so, said about the house the less the said about the house the better <laughs> so we we feel really Um, For us personally convicted that we want to be living in the communities that we're serving. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was before that, before we even started anything up the valley. And when the Lord was leading us that way, Ben and I bought a house up in Aniswen, which is just outside Triorki, between Triorki and Treherbet, if you know the Rhonda. Um, So we bought our house there and we knew it needed a little bit of building work. But within, what, four or five months, we would be able to move in. Evan would start in the school up there. Like, it was, it was all going to be great. Um, but basically, our surveyor missed a key thing on the survey, so we couldn't then move into the house, and it's needed a lot more building work mm-hmm. than we'd anticipated. So we've got a house up the valley that, three and a half years down the line, we haven't been able to move into. Um, but it is going to happen. The builder is... <laughs> starting later this month early, pray for us early next month please pray for that um but the boys have started uh, go to school up the valley so we've kind of uprooted at least in some sense yeah um and we yeah started then gathering on sundays up there and things were just kind of picking up a bit more momentum and then covid hit so it's kind of stalled a little yeah um but yeah our house is up there waiting for us and yeah we're kind of trying to do life outside of Tonopandi a little bit more and kind of root things in and around Triorki and that area a little bit more. Mm. So like through COVID, did everything just get centralised a bit more? Yeah, we lost our venue because we were using a community centre in, in Triorki. So mm. um, we lost that. I mean, centralised, it all went online for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then as we've emerged out of, of COVID stuff, we started meeting in Tonopandi in our building where we had much more control yeah. of how, how we did things. Um, and we're just now at the point where we are um, trying to get back to our model of many congregations and one in one church. Um, the Triorki thing is 
I mean, it, I said to somebody the other day, it's been like a wrecking ball came through it because it, it felt like it was going so well mm. and God's grace was on it. And we'd been meeting on Sundays for six months and then COVID happened and we had 18 months of COVID and we lost our venue and now we've moved location. We're having to do a Wednesday night thing in a, a village called Tom Pentra because we can't find a venue in Triorki to use and we can't find anywhere to meet on Sundays. And so like, it feels like Different. not the journey that we'd written <laughs> yeah. with the house or with the church, but in the midst of it, you know, we've known some amazing stuff happen and, and the sense of God being with us um, has been wonderful at times. So we're, we're desperately trying to find a new Sunday venue slash a building that we can purchase and and call our own and run ministry out of yeah. in much the same way we do in Tanapandi. Um, and, and really it's going to feel like, I think at that point, like we're replanting that congregation because it's been uprooted so much in the last two years yeah. um, that we've needed to um, be rebedded uh, and to find its roots again and to find some of its identity again. So um, yeah, that's all before us, which um, I'm excited about. Mm. So I'm sure people listening would be interested to know how that works being one church and multiple congregations just kind of practically and functionally and leadership wise. Yeah, and... yeah. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're learning but we're learning. Um, and I, I don't think like we set out to, to be one church in many locations or anything else. It's just um, maybe how the Lord has led and and what practically is working for us at the moment. But effectively, we have um, we have one uh, team of elders, which I lead, me and Simon. Um, we, both, we both happen to be on staff. We use pastor and elder quite interchangeably. We both happen to be on staff as pastors, and we therefore have um, responsibility for one congregation each. Mm-hmm. However, that's not really because of any model in our heads that's because we only have two elders at the moment and we have two congregations and that seems to work yeah. right now um so we have a, we have we are one eldership team over both congregations but we take responsibility for one each um and then um we have one bank account we have one charity um and we try and centralize as much of the administrative life of the church okay so that um the goal really in that is that when we then sense the Lord saying to start another congregation, we're not multiplying the efforts of administration, legal, yeah. safeguarding, all of that stuff. We Charity are charity status. Yeah, all of those us. things. We're we're trying to keep it light. So um And then we've got leadership teams, we yeah. call local leadership teams that kind of lead in the various locations. Yeah. Mm. Um and you know, I think in an ideal world those would be Progress, progressing towards like what we see in the Bible as deacons, you know, our local leadership team in Tonopandi has been um, well established with mature leaders and I'd say they operate like deacons, they are shouldering, you know, the responsibility for discipleship and mission in the life of that congregation um, it, it's much more fluid with our Tom Pentra stuff, partly because um, that congregation is less mature partly because the christians in that congregation are less mature most of them are newly saved so Mm. um that we're just working um on that um and yeah it 
seems to be working. Um, I'm sure you know there are holes in in how it works. I'm sure it'd be hard to transpose it against the biblical model, perhaps in in some ways of how we do things. But um, yeah, we're trying to be led by the Bible, but also with a pinch of pragmatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you've seen a lot of people come to faith over the years. Hmm. Um, again, this is maybe a hard question to answer, but like at an estimate, what percentage of the whole church would you say uh, new believers since you started? Oh, that's hard. There were Sundays that it was scary because you would feel so outnumbered by yeah. the amount of people who were completely unchurched, either had just put their faith in Jesus or were not yet believers and you'd feel completely overwhelmed because you were like, how on earth are we going to disciple all these people? Yeah. I think we've seen people come through to faith and, and by God's grace mature, like some of them mature really quickly, which has been really encouraging. So the balance feels a bit more yeah. like it's I mean, we've also now. seen lots of people come to faith and then a very rocky journey yeah. of discipleship yeah. and they come and go and all of that stuff. So um, I honestly, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know to put a percentage on it, um, but but I think you know. I also want to push back on the you've seen lots of people come to faith comment because we live in a valley with seventy thousand people, and we we've seen a drop in the ocean, a tiny number of them come to faith, mm. and I never want to be satisfied in God by the few that we've seen. Yeah. You know, um, not that we're not grateful to God for what he's done with those people because we are it's amazing um but like my heart just longs for more yeah. you know and when I drive up and down on the school run I think how many houses am I passing mm. with people that are going to a Christless eternity and we can't be settled with a couple of congregations or a couple of dozen new believers like we 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 want to see a revival breakout where mm. where people are you know um surrendering their lives to God not by the ones and twos or tens every year but by the hundreds and um yeah do it Lord please you know mm. he's our only hope for that yeah and is there like this question will sound more formal than I mean it but is there a <laughs> discipleship process or like an idea of this is how we're trying to yeah bed people in and yeah so we've put together like a little booklet that we try and work through with okay. Uh, new believers or kind of those who are exploring faith that we call life with Jesus um, and it kind of just covers a load of topics and we try and do it as like a weekly discipleship thing um, Would that be like in a group setting or one to one or One to one, one to two, kind of small small numbers um, and the goal is, so the way we've written it is that it's like very simple, you don't need to be kind of in, in the leadership to be able to do it with somebody but our heart was very much that one person would do it with somebody and then they would do it with somebody else and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. Um, so that kind of covers a range of topics, the gospel, grace, and then down into like money and I can't even remember what else. Or like, Freedom from your past and yeah. worship and yeah. just What it means, means to be part of the church, communion, like just little kind of, yeah, um, yeah topics for people to, to consider. I think we've spent a lot of the last eight years trying to find the right kind of vehicles for discipleship, things yeah. that connect with people and help them. Um, a lot of the stuff in the church is very middle class, and so the the kind of resources that are out there yeah. kind of just 
I can't even think what I'm trying to say, but they kind of don't sit in our community mm -hmm. as naturally as they would sit in other places, yeah. as amazing as they are. So, for example, even Alpha, the course is brilliant, but in our context, we kind of made the decision to use the youth Alpha because it felt a little bit more relevant to the communities that we were reaching. Mm. Um, and so a lot of amazing resources are out there. We kind of have to sometimes... We've written a lot of devotional stuff, just yeah, in just easy read language, just to try and help people with that. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing is, like, disciples get formed in community. And one of the things we've missed most through COVID is not being able to have community, what we call hope communities, um, missional communities, um, so people doing life together people and doing life together and I think and in our best moments we've had um, mission or communities functioning in a way where the person who's not a Christian the person who's a new Christian and the person who's been a Christian for 30 years all feel like they're growing in God together by sharing their lives mm -hmm. by gathering around the word and by praying and, and all of that stuff and living life on mission together um, and so like we're really eager to get back to that now that hopefully COVID yeah. is is behind us. Um, yeah, I don't think we've always got it right, but but the times where we we have, it's been a really fruitful way of discipling people. Um, so. mm. Cool. So when you think about 10, 15, 20 years down the road, what is the dream? Wow, what is the dream? So you alluded to earlier, we're just kind of in the process of launching our third congregation so I guess just to see those congregations the three that we've got like established and flourishing but then also many others mm. have been established and be flourishing um, I think our heart is to see not people like us who've moved into the Ronda leading these congregations but to see like local people yeah. raised up um, and leading the different sites so just really to see many leaders coming through mm. Uh, on that note do you feel like there are people that you know now who have come to faith that you've got your eye on and like yeah this is a, something that could really happen here yes and it's a rocky road <laughs> it is one of the most difficult and emotionally difficult things for me that um, yeah we long for this church to be led by Rhonda people mm. And you see, like, some great rough diamonds, but you also... It feels like the journey towards seeing Indigenous people leading the church is a, tough is a tough one, a complicated one. And actually, I feel like there's a massive spiritual dynamic in that. Like, I think Satan is out to um, try and crush some of our people because of the potential that they have to be leaders in the church in the Rwanda. Um, so... We find that that's an area where we really have to battle in prayer um, and aren't always winning. But, you know, we trust that God's, God's working in that. Mm. I, think, I think in the Rhonda, um, yeah, we talk about this vision of seeing every community um, have a vibrant gospel-centred and spirit-filled church at the centre. Um, I don't think that Hope Church Rhonda is the answer for the Rhonda. I think that the Church of Jesus Christ is. But, like, there are so many people going to a Christless eternity. We'll just keep trying to plant congregations until um, we, we can't do any more. Um, but, like, I would love it. I would love it if in my lifetime 
every person in the Rhonda can walk to a church where they can hear about Jesus Christ mm. and how much he loves them. And, you know, we often talk about the streets resounding with the praise of Jesus, you know, because lots of people worship lots of other stuff right now. But, like, wouldn't it be awesome to believe God for a day when his praise resounds again mm-hmm. in a valley? You know, in Tonopandi, there used to be 12 chapels down this street, wow. um, enough to see eight or 9,000 people when there was only 8,000 people in the town. Mm. There was a seat for every person, you know, and wouldn't it be awesome if that that was the case again? Mm. Um, So that would be, you know, one of the great burdens of my heart. Um, I think outside of that, like, we we love the Rhonda, but we love the valleys and we love Wales. And um, the need in the Rhonda is no greater or smaller than the need in every other community. in Wales and I, I just dream and long for a movement of church planting in Wales that sees many, many, many people want to Jesus because across the nation the church is very weak and there are pockets of great things and there are many wonderful people but I would just I long for the day when the Lord pours out his spirit in a way that impacts thousands of people and impacts many, many communities in every corner of Wales in mm. English and Welsh. Um, and yeah if we can do anything to help with that, we 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 We're count it a very privi- a great privilege. So yeah, yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time and sharing your story. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Awesome.